0: You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. To be, All of us are in here because we chose to be. And God has allowed for us to receive his love. I think that's wonderful. God has granted us his love. He's allowed for us to receive it. But we can also resist it. Amen? We can obey him or we can disobey him. Pastor Bob talked about that the early disciples, they, they, they made a decision to submit themselves to the apostles' doctrine. And he said, It's important that we try to obey what the the apostles taught. But we don't have to. We can choose not to do that. We can embrace the grace of God or we can try to live our lives in our own strength and our own self-effort, which you find will be exhausting. And I really love the way that C.S. Lewis put it. C.S. Lewis is one of the greatest, not only Christian thinkers, but he's one of the greatest thinkers in all the history of man. And C.S. Lewis put, put, put it like this. He said, There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those to whom God will say in the end, Thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. In other words, there will no, no one will be in any location without choosing to be there. Amen. And he goes on to say, without, uh, he goes on to say, no soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek it will find, and those who knock, it will be opened. So what Lewis was saying is, because we are able to choose, we will choose our own destiny. And today we're going to read in the Bible, and we're going to see how sin Impacted the world in a very negative way. The consequences of sin can only be reserved. I mean, re, 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 reversed, reserved, reversed through the power of God, which comes through the cross of Jesus. Mike and Ruth picked out a song called "Calvary." Calvary. It sets us free because it's at Calvary that the that that the effects of sin are reversed through what Jesus did on the cross, and where you can really say that there is freedom in Christ. Sin is bondage. Sin entangles. Sin enslaves. And we're we're going to see the effects of sin, and we're going to see the great need for salvation. So I put together two words that uh, describe the effect of sin and that we have a great need for our salvation. But before I even mention the first one, I want to pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this second service, and there are some very special people here. Every person sitting in these seats is special to you. Every person that's a guest and new here today is special to you. And so I don't take this sermon lightly. I don't take presenting this message lightly, Lord. I, I entrust my, my words and my heart to you for you to guide me and direct me, Lord, and that everything that I say will be pleasing. As we open up your word, we understand that it's perfect and that it guides us in truth. And so I pray that your anointing, your blessing will be upon that and that when we hear it, we will receive it And we will live it. And that from that choice, it will bring glory to God. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So two words that I want to talk about today. The first word and the first effect of sin is blame. You see, nowhere in the creation narrative... Was there ever an instance where pointing blame was used? When God was creating the the, the heavens and the earth, we established that. We established a foundation that God created the heavens and the earth. And everything in them as he created the the moon and the stars, uh, the sun, the, the greater light, the lesser light. There was no pointing of blame. As he created uh, the, 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 all the animals, all the insects, all of the, the, the birds that fly in the sky, there was no pointing of blame. As he created the first man who was made in his image, there was no pointing of blame. And as woman was taken out of man, and we've talked about that, and she was so special, she was fashioned by God, she was made beautiful. By God, there was no blame. And then we read last week that there was a serpent that came, and this serpent caused temptation, and he was crafty, and he caused them to doubt God's word. And when they did, they ate of the fruit that was forbidden. And when they did that, we find out the effects of that sin. And the first effect, we find it right away. The Bible goes like this, and he, God, said, he's talking to Adam, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Notice that Adam blamed Eve. He said, she gave me that fruit. And if you think about it, when you've been caught doing something, what is the first thing that you want to do? It wasn't, I'm doing it, but it really was not my fault. It's Shauna. It's Pastor Bob. The first thing that happens to us when sin comes is we want to point the blame. And so Adam who is the father of all of us here, he blamed his wife. But more than that, he blamed God. He said, it is this woman that you gave me. And have you ever thought about this, beloved, that when sin entangles us, That we not only blame the people around us, but the more in depth that you get with sin, the more that you begin to say, God, you haven't been here for me. It's all your fault. Look at my life. I'm in a mess. God's not the cause of our mess. Sin is. And the devil is working so that we can sin. The devil is never going to come alongside of us so that we can do good. The devil will always come alongside and encourage us to disobey and to do things that are contrary to God. Let me tell you, beloved, there's someone in here that you're trying to solve your problems and you're doing things contrary to God. And because of that sin, you're blaming other people. It's not other people that the, the cause of your circumstance is not other people. And this is what will happen. You will hurt others. Because you keep blaming them and you keep hurting. And it's a vicious cycle that goes round and round and round and round. And every time that we sin, it will be some other person to blame. The woman that you gave me, that's why I'm sinning. You and her are at fault. I love the way that the, our 34th president, Dwight Eisenhower, he put it like this. The search for a scapegoat is the easiest of all hunting expeditions. They're all over the place. Last service I had 200. This service I got 150. Lord, it's these people. And we point the finger. So President Eisenhower was saying this is something that we do, it's the easiest hunting expedition. And we hunt them out. We blame other people. H- have you ever sat with someone and, you're, and they want to talk to you about their problems? And then before you know it, they begin to say, "Well, this person and, and she and he and she." And he. But they never come to the place of dealing with what they're going through, what they're doing. You see, Adam ate the the fruit that he wasn't supposed to eat. All he had to do is say, "God, I'm at fault." Nowadays, we say, "You know what? You threw me under the bus, dude." Right? <laughs> In mo- modern eh, you, don't be throwing us under the bus. But that's the world knows about this, right? So we're constantly, we're doing, we're making choices and, and, we, and we do something wrong and, and the first thing we do is we want to throw our, even our loved ones under the bus. It doesn't matter as long as it's not, as long as it does not affect me. She did it. That's not God. Adam threw Eve under the bus. So salvation is so necessary Because our sin, at its very foundation, it affects our relationship with God. So there's this guy in the Bible, his name's King David. King David was a mighty man of God. And King David sent his his warriors out to go fight a battle. And when he sent them out, now he should have been with them in the battle, but he said, you know what, we're we're powerful. Go ahead and go out. When he was back home, he went and he was walking on the balcony and he was looking out and he saw a real beautiful woman on her balcony. She was bathing. Her name was Bathsheba. And he looked at her and he said, whew, that's a hot mama. Well, Bathsheba was married to one of the officers in in, in the army. His name was Uriah. Uriah was fighting and Bathsheba was there bathing. And so King David, of course, he summoned her to come. And when she and when she came, she's going to listen to the king. She came, and King David, because sin embraced and entangled him, he he brought her in, and he had an, a, an affair with her. He had a sexual relationship with her, and she became pregnant. And so um, uh, Uriah is is in is in battle, and so king, the shame and all the all the the, the 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 guilt that comes with sin, David felt horrible. So he 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 summoned he he. Called out for Uriah to come back home, and he said, Uriah, I want you to go and, and sleep with your wife because he wanted the guilt to be away from him. And so Uriah said, How? King David, met, you know, I, I respect you, I honor you, and, but I cannot do that because my men are fighting. How am I going to go and sleep and have pleasure with my wife whenever my men are fighting? I could never do that. So David said, Come on, drink some, drink a little bit. You know, that helps too. That helps the mood sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And so Uriah got drunk. David got drunk. He said, now go. And Uriah said, I can't. Now, I, I envision it like this, you know, because they were pretty buzzed, right? Uriah said, I can't, right? So he slept on the floor and didn't go. So all the guilt and all the shame and all the things that David was dealing with, he said, what can I do? And he, he wrote a note. And he gave it to Uriah, and he... He said, "Uriah, take this to the commander," and and uh, and Uriah did. And Uriah was such an honorable man that he didn't even read it. And on that note, it said to his commander, "It said, I want you to put Uriah on the front line where the biggest fighting is going on, where there's more tragedies than anyone else. Put him there, back up." So he put him there, and guess what happened to Uriah? He got killed. And so David, he was, not only was he dealing that he had an affair and this man that he, he, he broke the trust, but now he had had him killed. And then David came to the place that we all have to come to. Instead of blaming everything, everyone else, David said these words. He said, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me Day and night. How many of you know? How many of you know that when you when you sin and you begin to live in the sin, that it begins to to haunt you day and night? An affair is good at the beginning. It's enticing, and, and it just feels so good. And this guy, oh, this woman, oh, she's hot you get into this affair, and before you know it, you feel this, this guilt, and, and things are not right, and, and, and it just feels horrible, and, and same thing with a woman, you know, she's saying, oh, this guy, man, he's, he's buffed. He treats me so good, but before you know it, it haunts you because you know you're not doing right, and so King David said, it haunts me day and night, and then he said this, which is very important, against you, and you alone, God, have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight and you will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. And when you come to that place where you stop blaming people and you come before God and you say, God, against you and you alone have I sinned and whatever you do is right, that God begins to move in our lives and begins to change our heart. And can I tell you something? When we sin against God, it impacts everyone around us. When we're not in right standing with God, it's not only our relationship that is messed up. It's everyone's relationship around us that is messed up. And so we have got to come to the place that we quit blaming others, and we get right with God Almighty. You see, beloved, there's a lot of things that are going on around us in this world that are not right between God. God says they're not right. The world says they're right, but God doesn't. And until we have this rightness with him and we submit ourselves to him, that's when the healing will begin in us and the healing will begin in people around us. You cannot solve your relationship with people until you solve your relationship with God. You will never have a healthy marriage until you have that relationship, that marriage relationship with Christ Almighty. We need to quit blaming and understand that's the impact of sin and start receiving the grace. And the forgiveness of God. I wrote in in, in, in Facebook and Twitter this week. The Lord gave me this. I thought it was really cool. Actually, me and Wendy can share it because we both thought about it. And it said, God's discipline leads us to turn around. It's never given to tear us down. God's discipline will turn us around from the wrong way. And turn us back to God. And His providence us to turn us and bring us back to his love. His discipline is never given to tear us down. You see, God's not looking to pound you with a sledgehammer. That sledgehammer fell on Jesus Christ. He took the punishment that we deserve so that we could have his grace and his love and his mercy. And let me say something to you, beloved. There's some of us here that maybe we're putting that same punishment and that same expectation on other people. That's not our place. It's not our place to manipulate people and to say, you should be living this way or living that way and blaming them. I can't believe you're bad. I can't believe you're this. I can't believe you're that. That will not do anybody any. They need to receive the acceptance and the love of Jesus Christ, so it can change our heart. You know, this this uh, scripture really spoke to me in my marriage and how do I relate to my wife? Uh, confession is good for the soul. So we're sitting the other day. We're sitting in the in our seats and and. Uh, this hasn't happened in a long time but I was sitting there and Sean and I were talking and I don't know if it was the accumulation of all that was going on during the week and I preached on Satan last week so I know that the heat's going to be picked up and so she said something to me and and I said something to her and she said something to me (laughs) and I said something back to her and I got up from that, my, my uh, nice, my chair, the chair of royalty in that home, and I slammed it, and I kicked the gate, because we have a gate, so the dogs have to stay in one area, and so I kicked the gate, and I went to my room, and I slammed the door. It was a rough night. But it talks to us about how we blame. Now, I wanted to blame her for whatever I was going through and not feeling respected at that time, but I chose the wrong path instead of submitting myself to God and saying, Lord, you know what? I have have a lot of things that are wrong with me. And so I had to eat that pie, and it's called humble pie. I like cherry pie (laughs) more than humble pie. A la mode. So I ate some humble pie and said, you know what, forgive me. And um, she said, forgive me. And making up is fine. (laughs) Making up is fun. I like just fighting sometimes just to make up. (laughs) Man, I want the kids to hear. I I want you to know that in relationships, marriage relationships, healthy relationships... It should be wonderful. We need to start talking about that in church instead of letting the world pervert it. Amen? Okay, where was I? Making up. So, so the, whoo, my, mind. So Adam, Adam, you know, he blamed Eve, and, and this is what happens, that because he's the head, and men, I'm talking to you right now, Fathers, husbands—I'm talking. Men are supposed to lead, okay? So your wife will follow your lead. When, when I'm talking a lot about Sean and I, but this is tr- true. This is good. It fits. So when Sean and I got married, uh, twenty is going to be twenty-nine years. It's, it's going to be twenty. We already went twenty-eight years. It'll be twenty-nine years. <clears throat> People in Lordsburg, New Mexico, going no way. <laughs> They're married. They made it. So. When we first got married, Shauna envisioned this white picket fence, this wonderful marriage. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be nice. He's going to stop living this life. He's going to just become a good person, da-da-da. It didn't happen. And so she went into this marriage, and and, and I was partying all the time. And she she would sing that song, My husband wants to party all the time. And so we just partied, heartied, partied. And that life, I don't know if you know it, but it seems good, but it leads to destruction. And so we came to a place where our, our, that white picket fence was definitely not there. Our home life was horrible. Our life was in shambles. Our marriage was in shambles. And we surrendered our life to Christ. Because what happened before that is that my wife sang this song to me Anything you can do, I can do better. Anything you can do, I will show you. You can party, I can party. You can go out, I can go out. And so it teaches us that our wives will do anything that we will do. Our kids will usually do the things that we teach them to do. Amen? And so Eve, God goes to Eve. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now it's her turn to point the blame on the serpent. But at least her blame was based on the fact that she was deceived because she was. And it wasn't from rebellion. And what, what I love about Eve, and I bet you none of you have seen this because I hadn't seen it. What I love about Eve is she stops right there. She says, the serpent deceived me. She didn't go on and say, and God, you made that snake. She withhold herself. So I give Eve kudos for her doing that. The second result uh, of sin, the second word is consequence. Genesis 3 shows, that, shows us that with every choice, there is a consequence. There is a, there is a direct result of free will. So when we make right or better yet God choices, we will have positive consequences. Amen if you believe that. When you make God choices, you'll have positive consequences. When you make sinful choices, we will eventually have negative choices. Maybe not at first, but eventually it'll lead us down a road. The Bible goes on to say, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your lives. And I will put enmity or strife between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Notice that the Lord did not question the serpent. He didn't say, why did you do this? What happened that you did this? He knows the heart, and he deals accordingly with that, and he gives three consequences. Here are the consequences of the serpent. First of all, it is going to crawl on its belly. After the service is over, I want for anyone that wants to, go ahead and leave here on your stomach. It's very humiliating. So someone asked me, well, did the the snake not crawl On its belly before that? Apparently not. Because that was a consequence of its sin. The second thing is that I see, it says, it will eat dust all the days of its life. So not only is it crawling on its, or winding, however they do, on the dust, on the dirt, but they eat this dust. Notice the parallel of the serpent causing God's prized creation to eat the forbidden fruit, it brought the consequence of it eating the dust of the ground. Where did man come from? The dust of the ground. He said, you made my prized creation eat what I told them not to. Because of that, you're going to eat his dust all The days of your life. The third consequence um, is its ultimate destruction by the wounded seed of the woman. This seed is none other than Jesus, who would be wounded for our transgression and would overcome the enemy forever. In other words, Jesus, the snake, the devil had a big part in taking Jesus to the cross. Amen? But he had nothing in him. Jesus crushed the work of the devil so he could set us free. And God talked about it right there in Genesis. He said, devil, serpent, you think you're smart? You think you're crafty? Let me tell you, the seed that will come from woman is going to crush your head as you strike at its heel. But he will have the victory. And beloved, because of Jesus, we have victory. The Bible goes on to talk about the woman. He says to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe with painful birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, there are some very, very important things that you need to note here as the Lord brings the consequence to the woman First of all, she is not dealt with in the same manner that the man and the serpent because Eve was deceived. And I love the way that, that uh, Old Testament scholar Ken Matthews put, puts it. He's one of the, the great scholars of Genesis. And he put, he put it like this. Unlike the penalties announced against the serpent and the man, there is no occurrence of curse related to the woman's suffering. Moreover, there is no cause specified for her suffering, whereas the serpent is charged with deception and the man with eating disobediently. This is due to the woman's culpability or her guilt through deception. In contrast with the willful rebellion of the serpent and the man, also the oracle has a gentler word for the woman since her punishment entails the salvation of the human couple. Whereas the man's action condemned the human family, Eve... Will play a critical role in liberating them from sin's consequences. This is realized in part immediately since a woman gives birth to new life. But verse 15 indicates that the final conflict will also be humanity's victory by virtue of the woman's role as childbearer. Because if Eve would have not been able to deliver children, we would have never had a Messiah that would come through a virgin that would have been born of woman. And brought salvation to the souls of many. But you see the the, the kindness, the love, and the mercy of God Almighty? So the consequences of the woman. First, she will have painful labor in childbirth. Have you ever been... Ladies, I know you have, if you've had a baby. But men, have you ever been in the room with your wife or your daughter when she is having a child? And she looks at you and she says, you did this to me! (laughs) No, it's, it's hard work. That's why it's called labor. And it teaches us that this is so true. Not only do moms have intense labor delivering children, but moms also work very hard in raising their children. How do I know that? Because I see just right now, just, just as I look at the audience, I see mom with her child right there, and she's holding mom. I look all the time, and I see moms that their, their parents, I mean, their kids go to, Mom, how do I do this? How do, how do I do this? The moms are always working. I look on Facebook every morning and every night before I go to bed. I'll look at Facebook and I'll look at my newsfeed and I'll look at the, the different things that are going on. And you know what? Moms are always saying, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this with my kids. So you labor intensely with your children. The second thing is her sin, it skewed or it tainted her relationship with her husband. The woman would have a desire for her husband And looking at the context really helps us here. Every aspect of God's original design gets tainted. In other words, before the fall, before they sinned, sexual intimacy was a very beautiful thing. As they sinned, sexual intimacy has the potential to get really distorted. And in fact, men will manipulate women in sexual things to get them to do what they want. That's not God. That's reversed in Christ. Not only that, emotional, she was distorted. She, emotionally, women, women and wives, and, and sometimes in relationships, have you known that? There, I never heard of a battered husband's shelter. But there's battered wives' shelters. And those are places that women go because men have manipulated, they've hurt them, they've messed with their emotions. And it's all messed up. And a woman, have you noticed that these women will desire their husbands after they've been beat? After they've been abused verbally? Why? Because an effect of sin, an effect of the fall. But Jesus Christ comes and he restores our lives and he changes our hearts to be led to glorify God. Amen? The woman outside of God will put her trust in man and and get disappointed many times over. This is why we need salvation through Christ. The result of sin is reversed. Sexual intimacy is restored. The man don't rule over a woman emotionally, but he shares the burdens and depends on God to rule in their hearts. See, Shauna doesn't have to depend on me for emotional stability. She depends on Jesus Christ. And both of us together, we, when we have problems, we come together and we seek his counsel, his leading, his guidance She she is not going to get uh, a better position with me through sexual intimacy. We have a good relationship because of what God has done and restored us and, and, and reconciled us back to him. And because of that, we have a wonderful, wonderful life in every aspect to the glory of Jesus. The consequence of the man. First... The ground is cursed because of his decision, which will make everything in life more difficult. Life will become more unpredictable. Have you noticed? Have you looked at the, our grounds? And, 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 one, and because of sin and the effects of sin, I had to, I didn't have to, I chose to spend Saturday sweeping the rocks, trimming the grass. we were going to have to go out there and there's a bunch of... Uh, uh, sand and dirt that are on the on the parking lot it was really pretty before that and now we're gonna have to work but you know what praise god that we can but but the ground is cursed and so it it brings things into our life that we're not happy with how many of you just maybe cut the weeds out last month and they're back again The ground is cursed. And so the man has to do that. The second effect is his days on earth will be filled with tireless labor. You work, you work. Have you ever heard that uh, or seen that bumper sticker? I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Tireless labor. The third thing, he will die physically. Physically. Adam's physical time clock was set the day that he sinned. Adam lived 900 plus years, but he came to a place that he breathed his last. God said, I breathed life into you, Adam, but because of what you did, you will certainly die. And every person since Adam, every person, every person has come to a place of physical death. And here's one of the most important things. We get mad at God because people die. We shouldn't get mad at God. It's not God. It's sin. Sin is a consequence of why people die. And the reality is that Jesus changed that because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that if you believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. Do you see how beautiful the picture is right there? Every time someone dies, it's a reminder that we need a Savior, that we need the love of God, that we need someone to restore us. That's why the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ Christ. Would conquer physical death, and he offers us spiritual life. The only way that you can be born again and be born of the Spirit is to receive Jesus into your life so that you can have this relationship with God Almighty. Here's the consequences for both Adam and Eve. The Bible says, the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work on the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So it tells us that the consequence, the fourth consequence is they died spiritually. That intimate relationship that this couple shared with each other was hindered at the fall. And especially, and more importantly, that spiritual relationship that they enjoyed with God was broken and severed. Adam and Eve and every person born would be dead spiritually. That's why we need Jesus Christ. But there's hope in the story. Everywhere God's word is, there's always hope. Adam, he named his wife Eve. This happened after he sinned. And Eve means, he says, because she would become the mother of the living. Eve, the word there, Rama. Rama means the living. And so in this we see hope because God, Adam took the responsibility that God gave him. Remember, God had told Adam, name all the creatures, name, name every animal. And Adam did that. And, and so he fell and he had this shame and everything. God, God said, you know, he came back to me and said, Adam, you're going to be okay. And Adam said, beautiful woman, your name's going to be Eve. And you're going to have the potential to bring life. In fact, without you, we'll perish. And so she began to bring children. And that's where the genealogy of all of humanity comes from. And from her, as it went down the line, there was going to be some very important people. The very last would be a woman named Mary. And she would be betrothed to a guy named Joseph. And they would have a child. She would have a child that would be God's child, and his name would be Jesus. Without the woman Eve, that would have never happened. Amen? But there's even greater hope than that. The Bible says that God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Has anyone ever wore a fur coat? Anyone? Has anyone ever seen a fur coat? How do they get those fur coats? Did you wear the animal on you? There had to be a sacrifice of that animal. So God in that garden... He slay an animal, and that blood was shed so that he could close the shame and all of the guilt that Adam and Eve had. See, Adam and Eve, look at me, look at me. They're they're, they're not that important. They're they're really not. I mean, you've seen musicians walk. Don't let the devil take you there. So you see, Adam and Eve, they, they put some fig leaves on them. I don't know if Adam had a 34, 36. I don't know what, what size weight. God said, that's not going to do it. Let me close you. And so he sacrificed one of his creation animals. And the blood was shed. And he covered their shame with these skins. And that's a picture, beloved, of what was going to happen. Because there was going to be a lamb of God who would be slain. And he would take the sin of the world and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Let me see that picture, Peter. As God works, he sacrificed the lamb, his son. And he took away our, he he takes away our unrighteousness. He takes away our guilt. He takes away our failures. He takes away all these things that we've done and we stop blaming people and we stop blaming God and we embrace his love and we embrace his covering and he sets us free from everything. That sin has tried to destroy us with. And everything that sin will try to destroy us with today, and everything that sin will try to destroy us with tomorrow and in the future until Jesus comes and transforms us at the day of his appearing. There's nothing, nothing that will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.